The following is brought to you in part by MFC Studios. The views of the show's host and guests do not necessarily reflect those of the management, owners, or staff of this radio station. And now, it came from the radio. The official show of the Big Apple Con. This is your host, Mark Torres, speaking. With me via social distancing once again is the life with Jenner G's, Jen Elise Feldy. So, um, this week's show, we're going to have our, uh, as we've been doing with our, our quote unquote pandemic shows, um, Dominic Definition Man Sperano from Pronto Comics will have his comic pick of the week. We have part two of our interview with. Um, Filmmaker, writer, uh, Lauren Malloy, done by our senior correspondent, Charlie Saladino. And we also will have another Jay Bird and Lee segment. Before we do any of that, we got to take it away with the news. The news is brought to you in part by the fine folks of the Big Apple Con, of which we are the official radio show of, celebrating over 25 years of pop culture-ness and comic book stuff. For more information, go to www.bigapplecc.com. And I want to give out shout-outs for our Patreons, of which there are Danny Grillo, award-winning director Jared Burrell, Two-Sentence Horror, Kyle Horn, Millie Portez, Newsday Famous Dresden Media, Orange Gun, Shadow Rabbit Art, and... The Huracan, which is a uh, convention in a church. If you want to have your own little shout-out, go to www.patreon.com and look up a game from radio in the search bar, and you can get a shout-out for just a measly $1 a month. First bit of sad news. <clears throat> Actor Sir Ian Holm Cuthbert died recently from Parkinson's disease. Uh, Ian starred in such films as The Bofors Gun, A Severed Head, The Homecoming, Robin and Marion, Jesus of Nazareth, Alien, SOS Titanic, which was the sequel of the original Titanic, um, Chariots of Fire, Time Bandits, Inside the Third Reich, Grace Stoke, The Legend of Tarzan, Dance with a Stranger, Henry V, Hamlet, Naked Lunch, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, The Marriedness of King George, Night Falls on Manhattan, The Fifth Element, A Life Less Ordinary, Incognito, Alice Through the Looking Glass, King Lear, Existence, which I love that movie, um, The Last of the Blonde Bombshells, From Hell, which I also like that movie, uh, Lord of the Rings Part 2 and 3, as well as two out of the three Hobbit movies, uh, The Day After Tomorrow, Garden State, Strangers with Candy, Renaissance, and he was a voice in Ratatouille, the animated film, just to name a few. Whew. <laughs> On the small screen, Sir Ian appeared in such shows as Napoleon in Love, uh, The Lives of Benjamin Franklin, Holocaust, Murder by the Book, Game Set and Match, The Borrowers and its sequel series, Return of the Borrowers, and 1066, The Battle for Middle-Earth as a narrator. Whew. Um, as a side note, Ian was knighted by the Queen in 1989. That puts him in the same class as Ringo Starr, Daniel Day-Lewis, Patrick Stewart, Ian McKellen, Christopher Lee, and Mick Jagger, amongst others. You know, I'd like to comment on his death by Parkinson's, but I'm shocked. <laughs> I was waiting for it, 
And, and there it was. Very nicely done. Very nicely done. Easy. But how does one get knighted by the queen? What exactly do you have to do to get knighted? So, I'm, I'm sure it's different. The, the requirements for being a knight back in the day, like you're an actual knight and go around stabbing people with your sword and fighting dragons, is different than being a knight now. But... I think it's because of your your um, your your work that you've done, and it's like being recognized by the uh, United Kingdom as like an awesome person. That's what I think it is. Well, you can still walk around and stab people with your sword. <laughs> that's that's a different show. That's <laughs> yeah, maybe on Playboy TV. Yes. <laughs> um, you know what? Uh, I always thought it'd be kind of cool to have like a, a movie or an animated series, like with all the actual knights. That are living today, and like they have to be called to duty, and like I'm just an actor, I can't be a knight, you know, be one of those things. I always thought somebody should do that. It'd be it'd be interesting to see Ringo Starr and Patrick Stewart and all the other guys fighting a dragon for some reason. Wait, so if they're knighted, they're technically knights now? Yeah, that's why they're named Sir Patrick Stewart, Sir Ian McKellen. Yeah, they're actually. Oh, interesting. Sir Roger Moore from uh, James Bond. Yeah, that's yeah. So all you gotta do is get the star is to get knighted by the queen. That's yes. Correct. Uh -huh. And to get knighted by the queen, you have to do a lot of work. So do a lot of work, be impressive, and then you'll become a knight. Yes. Okay. All right. Sounds good. So he was a, a spry 88. Moving on from more sad news. Author Charles Richard Webb also died recently. As of this recording, which is the 25th of uh, June, no cause of death has been released. While Charles has written such novels as Love, Roger, The Marriage of a Young Stockbroker, which was made into a feature film of the same name, Orphans and Other Children, The Abolish... The Abolishness? The Abolishness? The Abolish... Oh, The Abolishness. Alright, I, I, I must have typed it wrong, because that just doesn't look right. A-B-O-L-I-T-I-O-N-I-S-T. Abolitionist? Are you going to help me out here? No? Abolitionist? There we go. Thank you. The Abolitionist. Clark Gale plays. How long were you going to let me struggle with that until you decided to help me out? Well, I've, taught, uh, I've been taught to not correct people unless they ask for it. So you asked. Ah, thank you. <laughs> Elsinore poos the new Cardiff, which was made into a film uh, called Hope Springs. But his most famous work was in 1963 when Charles wrote The Graduate, which was turned into a hugely successful film of the, fame, of the same name, starring Dustin Hoffman. Of note, The Graduate was his very first published novel, and Charles did write a sequel to the book called Homeschool, which was published in 2007. Are you familiar with The Graduate? The Graduate based on a true story? I know. Don't yeah. think so. Was it? Yes, I was heard The Graduate was based on a true story, so I don't know if it was this author or someone else who actually had the situation happen to them, but I'm pretty sure it so, was a true story, and there was actually a real Mrs. Robinson. So maybe his novel was based on a true story, which would make sense, that they took the idea and they made it into a film. Yeah, this he might have had the whole... He might have had his Mrs. Robinson. Maybe. Yeah, okay. Gotta look into that one. So, uh, he was another spry 81. Moving on for even more sad news. More sad news. Uh, filmmaker Joel Schumacher also died recently of cancer. 
Uh, Joel had a hand in making such films as Car Wash. I love that movie. The Wiz, that was uh, with Michael Jackson, Diana Ross being uh, the Wizard of Oz. Uh, the Incredible Shrinking Woman with Lily Tomlin. DC Cab, I love DC Cab with Mr. T. St. Elmo's Fire, The Lost Boys, Flatliners, Falling Down, The Client, Batman Forever, A Time to Kill, Batman and Robin, 8mm, Phone Booth, The Number 23, Man in a Mirror, and Trespass, just to name a few. A lot of those movies I have seen and a lot of those movies I really enjoyed. Um, of note, in an interview for the BBC, when Joel was asked if he believed in God, Joel was quoted as saying, <clears throat> I definitely believe that I am not the highest form of intelligence in the universe, but I don't like to use the word God because it is so overused in the United States, not so much in Europe, but it's become politicized, and this has an ugly meaning now. Like anyone, someone, if they believe in God, has become an attack. Like if you don't believe in Jesus, you're not one of us. I loathe the use of God in any kind of spirituality as a form of discrimination or separation because it's a total misuse of it. Exactly. Yeah, religion can definitely separate. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I changed my last name to Feldy on IMDb so that I don't get special treatment from Jewish people. Because they hear my last name's Feldman, they start being nicer to me, and that's not fair. That's true. So, yeah, I mean, if you want to give me an acting role, then hey, my last name's Feldman, but <laughs> basically I shouldn't get special treatment. It's, it's the same thing as I always say. Uh, people come to me, are you Hispanic? Not really. But if a hot chick is like, you're Hispanic? I'm like, yes, I am. Si, es bueno. I'm the worst Puerto Rican there is out there, but for that, I'm, I'm in it. Um, so that's, that's just a very uh, profound uh, statement. So he was another spry, 80 years old. And he was in The Client, which is one of my first crutches. He, he wasn't in it. He, he made the film. It's like he was a filmmaker, so he produced or directed or wrote those movies. And he worked with Brad Renfro. I think his name was Brad Renfro. He was a star. I think he died. I think he died several years ago, young age. Huh? I yeah. was not aware of that. He's like one of the best looking people. He was one of my first crushes as a kid. I think he died. Wow, okay. Uh-huh. See, look at that. Look at you uh, knowing stuff about things that I have no idea of. That's how we work well together. Renfro, I believe. What was his name? I'm going to use the internet. What was his name? I think it's Brad Renfro. R-A-D-R-E. Brad Renfro, American actor. He did, 2008. He must have been like 30. Uh, he was... Where is it? 25. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how he... I mean... He, he died from an overdose of heroin and morphine. There you go, look at that. He's too good looking to die that young. Yeah. Man. So yeah, oh, well. look at that, look at that. Wow. It's very sad though. 25, oh, yes. Uh, moving on for even more. So that was a, that was a, a tangent sad, sad news. Um, even more sad news, more sad news. Filmmaker, businessman, and philanthropist Stephen Leo Bing also died recently of suicide by jumping from the 27th floor of an apartment building in Los Angeles, California. Uh, Stephen was the founder of the Shangri-La Entertainment, an organization with interest in property, construction, entertainment, and music. Uh, Stephen had a major hand in such uh, productions of the animated film Polar Express, as well as the 3D film Beowulf. Uh, Stephen also co-wrote both the screenplay and the story of Kangaroo Jack. Uh, I remember Kangaroo Jack. I heard that movie was terrible. Oh, the Kangaroo Jack jumped, and so did he. Um, oh, oh. <laughs> Man. Oh, terrible. You, you know... <laughs> 
satisfied. But you know what? I want people to joke about my death, so I'm just trying to set a precedent here. You know, you you did a complete 180. You were so caring and 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 and, and nice to the poor guy who died at 25, and then right back to. The... Well, it's not mean. I'm just saying that you know, art imitates life, and life imitates art. And he made a whole thing about Kangaroo Jack, and then he's jumping. Seems like the guy was trying to stick to a theme here. Do you know a little horseback? All right. So uh, to clarify. The intent is a, a place of love and humor. It's, oh. it's, it's, it's funny that it's mean, but it's not, you know, it's not mean, mean. Just want to let everybody know. Um, he was a young 55. That's too young. <sighs> All right, so last bit of sad news. So director Alan Dennis Meter, M-E-T-T-E-R, also died recently, and he died of a heart attack. Um, Alan directed such films as Girls Just Want to Have Fun, the movie, uh, Back to School, which I loved, Moving, which was with uh, Richard Pryor, if I'm not mistaken, Police Academy Mission to Moscow, which was the last Police Academy movie, I think it was part six, it was part seven, uh, Passport to Paris, and the Growing Pains TV reunion movie in 2000. Um, it's weird how he had such a, a wide range <laughs> Of direction of directional movies is like there's not one theme in there. Back to school and um, police academy, which we're gonna end up seeing play out in New York soon <laughs> with bail reform and everything going on. Yeah, yeah, it's just the crazy. Academy movie, they can't even go undercover now, by the way. It's it's it, we're we're in a, a crazy time. Oh yeah. Uh, so he was a a, a, a spry seventy seven. But enough of all of all the sad news. Let's let's move on to some some not as sad or maybe even happier news. Uh, from the the show must go on eventually department, the 2021 Global Golden Globes has announced that they will postpone their event, which is usually held on the first Sunday of the calendar year, as a kickoff to the Hollywood Awards season until February 28th, which coincidentally was the original date for the Oscars, which was moved until April 25th, 2021. Executives say, <clears throat> to accommodate both domestic and international film and television productions, we will provide further guidance around eligibility, voting period, and revised nominations, announcements, timing in the coming weeks. For those of you who didn't know or care, the Golden Globes are voted on by a group of about 85 journalists who cover Hollywood for international outlets. I did not know that. Yeah, and who are these 85 journalists, and why do I care about their opinion? But apparently, it's a it's a huge deal. I, I knew it was journalists that did the voting for this because I was a fan of um, Craig Ferguson's show, uh, The Late Late Show, and he always was like, he never understood why it was such a big deal because it was journalists that are giving out the awards. Yeah, I, I, I'm not really into it personally. Am I, I mean, am I into anything that's a different story? But I just don't see why I would care about the opinion of 85 people that maybe I sort of know? Well, these are international journalists, so it's not even... They're not even people from the United States. They're, they're the world. Yeah, it's, very, it's very interesting. Um, to put things into perspective, uh, the Oscars have about 8,500 8, members who are eligible to vote. So there you go. Uh, we did well, a show about... Um, uh, awards and you know their value. It's just the uh, uh, it's just the perceived value of what it is. And it's interesting too. Eighty five journalists and eighty five hundred members. Oh, I didn't even realize that. The 
numbers is 8,500. Is it like an 85 special Illuminati number? What is the significance of 85? Maybe we should look that up. Huh. That's, uh, I did not even notice that either. So, yes, maybe we'll, we'll, we'll follow that up. Um, speaking of follow-up, which is a great segue, by the way, from the five-year follow-up department. All right, so five years ago we reported that the TV show Dukes of Hazard, which has been on rerun since its original run in the 80s, was under fire by people who were offended by the famous car, the General Lee, and the use of the Confederate flag on the roof of said car. At the time... Warner Brothers, owners of the property, had announced that they would no longer make any new merchandise of the car with the flag on it and would stop airing reruns on cable TV. As the years have gone by, the original show has found its way back on the TV's via digital streaming services. Now, due to the current racially charged climate, there is a renewed interest in having the show pulled off of any device where it can be watched. Uh, um, series co-star Ben Jones, who played Cooter, and he owns a store called Cooter's Place, which sells tons of Duke's memorabilia says. All right, here we go. <clears throat> That's no surprise. The rebel flag on the top of the car has been seen by hundreds of millions of viewers for 40 bleeping years. Yeah. You can't just say that we're going to be politically correct to cave and wonder and to cave and whatever because they want it's politically uh, insensitive. We had a huge black audience. Black people come in all the time to our store saying, I love that show. I watch it with my family. This didn't start until the 2000s. For all those years, the shows have been on the air. We never got a single complaint. Then it was, oh, this is bad, because the NAACP said, any display of the Confederate flag is bad. And then the politicians got scared. And then the corporations got scared. And it's gone berserk. So who gets to decide these things? Is it just the academic left who is, who it is the people who have the right to an opinion and the opinion should be understood and accepted? It's not the flag that's the, of the Confederate government. It's the battle flag. And it's the St. Andrew's Cross. St. Andrew's was Christ's first disciple and he was crucified in that spread eagle position. That's what it symbolizes. It's an international understanding. So it was the battle flag of the Confederacy, two different things. That was the one that were in battle. They used the, the, that flag. I mean, it was used by the Confederation, but it was a different flag than what they have. So let's say we have the United States flag, and if we go to war, we have a different flag for the United States going to war flag. Oh, I have no idea. What do I know? I'm clearly not running for president anytime soon. <laughs> and I agree with everything he said. People need to chill out and just enjoy TV. And stop getting offended because people are telling them to be offended. Were you a fan of the original series? Did you ever watch it? Eh, a little bit. Not really. Not really. So, um, I, I said this back then. Um, I actually took a look at what, I, what my comment was back then. And I'm like, you know, I understand that it may be insensitive to some people. But the intent of the show, it was not. Um, I was a huge Dukes of Hazzard fan. And... I didn't see anything wrong with it. My friends who are different, I'm, you know, I'm racially mixed. Like I said, I'm Puerto Rican, even though I'm a worse Puerto Rican. I have black friends, I have Asian friends, I have uh, Indian friends. They all love the show. It was a good show. It was, it was a family-friendly show at the time, and it was just, um, it was just a car. It was an awesome car. So I understand that maybe they find it insensitive, but they shouldn't try to remove or censor what was done. It was done. It was there. Whatever. Maybe right. now. You know, once again, it's their property, so they can do whatever they want. 
But maybe now, if they feel that if, that if nowadays it is insensitive, then don't make more stuff. That's their call. If they want to do it, that's what they can do. Um, yeah, agree. And people can choose to watch it or not. Right. It's not like it's not like they're they're plastering giant billboards across the United States saying, you know, we support this. This is our thing. You know, it's it's a, it's an old show. It's an old show with an image that didn't really seem to carry the weight. And all the stigma that it does now, right? Every, in the days of everyone getting offended, <laughs> right? I mean, I don't think we should even call this the 2000s or the 2020s. We should just call it like the years of offended, the year, the, the cance- year of sensitivity, year of cancel culture. It's, it's a thing. Cancel culture. How about that? I like that. Um, so they actually, what's interesting about this whole thing is that not too long ago, a couple of years ago, they made an Auto Trader commercial with the original, the two leads of Dukes of Hazard, with the General Lee, but they shot it in such a way that they never showed the roof of the car, which had the flag on it. So it, you can still see the General Lee. It was still doing its General Lee stuff. It had the actors. They had the music. Um, they actually brought like the stunt guys who did the, the original series, and it was a really cool thing. So if you go like on YouTube, you can actually see the commercial. And if you were a fan of the series... It was like a nice little, a nice little thing to see them come back, and like I said, they didn't show the roof, so they were able to still use the Dukes of Hazzard and whatever, just not show the roof of the car, and everybody was happy. So maybe that's the way to go. Definitely, definitely. Just focus on what's useful and stop focusing all the stuff that bothers you. If you don't like something, just look away. <laughs> that's yeah. That's actually uh, it's. Um, what was that? Uh, Howard Stern. It was one of, one of the reasons why I, I like Howard Stern. So back in the day, he had his own little TV show on, in Long Island. I don't know if it was... I think it was syndicated. So um, it, was on, it was on, and he actually was a fan of Adam West, which was why I used to watch the show. That's a, that's a whole time, tangent side thing. And on his TV show, I, I, I wasn't a fan of his radio show. On his TV show, he used to address people's complaints about his show. That it was sexist and racist and whatever and whatever. And he used to say, if you don't like my show, change the channel. And I thought that was such a profound, a profound thing to say. Exactly. That you I was like, I like him. Yeah, if you don't like me, then find someone else that you like and leave me alone. Mm-hmm. That's all. Right, you don't have to go on a, on, a, on a tangent to try to destroy. Right. Don't try to force your beliefs on anybody. That's where I'm kind of going. Exactly. Just live and gravitate and do what you want to do and leave people alone if you don't like them. End of story. As, as, with a caveat, as long as they're not hurting anybody. You know, like, if, 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 uh, if you're going around as a knight stabbing people, maybe, yeah. maybe we should stop the stabbing people. You know, that kind of thing. As long as you're not hurting anybody else, you do you. Well, I guess that's why we have this cancel culture and this uh, culture of people being offended that just keeps on happening because I think people keep on worrying and believing that people are being hurt. That's what it seems like. All these people that stand up for the downtrodden or the offended, I think they really think that people are being hurt by an image on TV from 40 years ago. Maybe. Maybe that's, maybe that's, maybe that's it entirely. I think I think the solution is everyone just toughen up. Twenty twenty, toughen up, get a set, and you know you don't like something, put some blinders on. Look the other way. <laughs> um, speaking of cancel culture, moving on from the not so fast cancel culture department, 
Filmmaker Michael Bay has been under fire recently for a 2009, remember we're in 2020, 2009 interview featuring Hot Megan Fox on the Jimmy Kimmel show, uh, which the show's host has also been under fire for a few skits he did years ago in blackface, in addition to the reaction to the aforementioned interview. In the interview, Hot Megan Fox tells Jimmy Kimmel that when she was 15, she was made to dress in heels and a bikini for Bad Boys Part 2 as an extra, as well as her experience being cast in a Transformers live-action films, to which Jimmy Kimmel made light of the whole thing. Now, I remember seeing the interview at the time, because I am a huge Hot Megan Fox fan, and she was like... Megan Fox. She's not just Megan Fox. Yeah, she had her name legally changed to Hot Megan Fox. It's, it's a thing. Um, yeah. No, not really, but yeah, she did. Okay. Um, so in the interview, you know, she was talking about her career and whatever, and she had mentioned that she was an extra in Bad Boys 2. And uh, she was like, oh, she, she was 15, so she was too young to be at the bar, because it was a bar scene when they went in there. And so they decided, because she was hot, put her in a bikini, put her in some heels, and have her dance, and like, there's like a water fountain going on. It's like a, it's like a half a second clip. If you go on YouTube, you can find it. It's like, oh, that, there she is. If you blink, you miss her moment. But because, you know, that's, that's how it was. So she, it, was, it was an anecdotal story. It was, you know, it was like, ah, ha, ha. That's kind of funny. And then she mentioned how um, when she was uh, auditioning for the part of Michaela in a Transformers films, which one of the, one of the most, uh, the biggest scenes of it was her leaning over the car, working in the car. She was doing that for the audition. So I was like, ah, ha, ha, it's kind of funny that, you know, she had to audition, leaning over a car for the movie, which she was leaning over a car for, because she was uh, portrayed as a sexual object. That was, that was the whole thing. It was made light of whatever. People are now upset about that. That's to put things into perspective. But so. <laughs> 19 or 20 when she did that. Right. Right. So, however, none other than hot Megan Fox has come to Michael Bay's defense saying, and I quote, while I greatly appreciate the outpouring of support, I do feel I need to clarify some of the details as they have been lost in the retelling of the events and, and cast as a sinister shadow that doesn't really belong, at least not where it's currently projected. I was around 15 or 16 when I was an extra in Bad Boys 2. There are multiple interviews where I shared an anecdote of being chosen for the scene and the conversation that took place surrounding it. It was important to note that I auditioned for Transformers when I was 19 or 20. I did quote-unquote work pretending to me to know how to hold a wrench on one of Michael Bay's Ferraris during one of the audition scenes. It was uh, at the Platinum Dune Studio parking lot. There were several other crew members present, and I was at no point undressed or anything similar. So far at this particular audition story, I was not underage at the time. I was not made to wash or work on someone's car in a way that was extraneous from the material of the actual script. When it comes to my direct experiences with Michael, or even Steven Spielberg for that matter, who produced the uh, Transformers movies, I was never assaulted or preyed upon in any way I felt was a sexual manner. Of note, in 2011, Hot Megan Fox was fired off the third Transformers film because she sort of kind of compared Michael Bay to Hitler. So for that, and for her to come to his defense, I think it's very interesting that maybe, as you were just saying earlier, yeah, it's not that the you don't have to defend them; they can defend themselves. That's true. Well, people can defend themselves, but the people create such an army of hate that it, 
usually you need someone backing you up nowadays. I don't think it's enough to just have a director defend themselves. You kind of need the actors and actresses, unfortunately, to get on board because such a uh, foot storm, I'm not going to say that word, that <laughs> <laughs> happens to form uh, that's so powerful that you need a lot of people defending, unfortunately. But I like, but I like the fact of how she put it, and the fact that, you know, it was taken out of context. So maybe before people decide to go cancel culturing, they should get all the information. You know, find out from the source before just I don't like this. I uh, I assume that other people won't like this. I'm offended for them, therefore it should be taken down. You know, maybe. Maybe, maybe. we could do polls on Twitter or polls on Instagram or Facebook saying, "Are you offended?" How offended are you? And maybe if it's less than 30%, then we don't cancel. I don't know. Maybe there's something we should do instead of just assuming that everyone's canceled, everyone's so offended. It's, 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 I, uh, I've been saying this, that the pendulum has just swung completely in the opposite way. So we've gone from one extreme to, to there actually being, you know, I mean, not, and, and that's not to say that there isn't this kind of stuff going on. That is not to diminish what's going on or any, in any way, shape, or form. But we've gone from ignoring it completely to going in a complete opposite. Right, and, and I make a lot of these insensitive comments as a girl who has had numerous producers tell these things to me like, well, if you want this role, you're going to have to go to dinner. You know, I have a bunch of other people that I could pick, but I really like you. Uh, you know, I've had so many people insist that for some reason I have to go to dinner or go to lunch with them if I want to work with them, which I don't understand why we have to share a meal together if we're going to do a film together. Um, so I've had a lot of experience with Harvey Weinstein types. And nevertheless, even though I have a long list of them, I still believe that people are way too sensitive and I don't want to see people crucified for silly things. You know, someone's a bad person, they're a bad person, but if someone says a joke on Twitter, I mean, get over it. Come on. So it's, it's, it's a weird balancing act that I think we're going to have to find. So I believe, in my personal opinion, that the, the pendulum will swing back and we'll get to some type of middle ground, but it's going to be a long time before that happens. Well, I'm working really hard to um, keep misogyny alive. So. <laughs> and, and keep offensive content out there. <laughs> all, all right. Well, well, I think you're doing your part with this show, at very least when people are dying. And this weekend, I'm shooting a film, and I'm sure there's something offensive about it. So, hallelujah. <laughs> um, so, we're almost out of time, so let's hit this last bit of news. Um, from Lee, thanks, but we want more money department. Uh, Cobra Kai, the Karate Kid sequel series, is moving from YouTube to Netflix. For those of you who don't know, about two years ago, YouTube made its own pay streaming service with original content called YouTube Red. One of the original shows was the aforementioned Cobra Kai, which reunited stars from the original 1984 film and focuses on their lives as adults. To garner interest in the series, YouTube, the regular one, aired the first episode of the first season and then the first episode of the second season for free, which I saw because I'm not paying for anything. Um, the series has received critical and fan acclaim, but due to that nasty paywall, many fans have yet to see the entire series. But now, Sony, owners of the franchise, has signed a deal with Netflix to not only bring the previous two seasons to a more established streaming service, but also produce a third season. Executives say, We are thankful for all our partners at Sony for finding us a new home where we can not only continue the series, but also explore opportunities to further expand the Karate Kid universe. We are beyond excited to join our new partners at Netflix and look forward to the show reaching the massive global audience who loves this franchise as much as we do. And this has Ralph Macchio. 
Macchio in it? It has Ralph Macchio and um, William Zabska, the uh, the original bad guy. It also has um, oh crap, what's that guy's name? Uh, the bad uh, the, the 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 sensei, the the Cobra Kai sensei. He he showed up. Um, I can't think of his name right now. Sorry if you're listening. And they, they, they incorporate flashbacks of the original series, of the original movie. It was really, it's, uh, from what I saw, the two first episodes, really good. Yeah, I've been recommended to watch it. And also, Ralph Macchio, the original Karate Kid, is also one of my first crutches, crushes <laughs> from childhood. So this whole entire episode, Brad Renfro and Ralph Macchio, like, those are kind of like my ideal men. So maybe I should watch it. And, but the thing is, is like... They, no one thought it was going to be a big thing. No one thought at the time, you know, it was going to be on YouTube Red. Like, who was going to watch that? And right. and, it, and it did so well that somebody bigger and better was like, yeah, come on over here. And like, thanks for all your help. We appreciate you revitalizing our careers. We're going to go, in, we're going to, go to Netflix now. I think that's kind of dirty in a way. Well, people seem to go where the money is. And YouTube Red was a year or two ago. Maybe it was just getting started, I remember. And it wasn't a big deal. And Kevin Hart got a show. And then all these mainstream actors started taking over YouTube. And now I guess they're jumping back onto Netflix. (laughs) Yeah, but it's like, if not for YouTube, they wouldn't be going to Netflix. So I kind of find that that's a little little shysty. You know, it's like, screw you guys. (laughs) I think that's my attitude of how people work you know um if people stick with me i just assume that it's because i guess i'm doing a good job or i'm delivering them something because people will just go wherever the next opportunity is that's that's what i think the oh. oil just 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 isn't there i don't think with most people so you're saying if you become super famous later for us is that, is that what you're doing you're ready to jump ship well i didn't say that that's how i work ah okay <laughs> How I work is I like fun stuff. I like enjoying myself, and I like good people. And of course, I want good opportunities, but I I think regardless of wherever life takes me, you know, I'll be 36 soon. I have a feeling I'm going to be working with all types of people at all different levels. Hopefully, until I'm 80 or 90. That's, that's what I think. Oh, that's that's I, actually a good uh, positive attitude. Yeah, and then I can keep embracing cancel culture because you know I'm not selling out to the Disney crowd. <laughs> Yes. That's going to happen. So we're, we're out of time. That's it for the news. Do you have a final quick thought before we take our break? Just please floss your teeth, especially if you're coming to see me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's it for the news. We'll be right back with a game from the radio. Hi, you've heard my voice open and close the show. Now we want to hear your voice. If you have a business or product, you can record a commercial here. We offer 30 and 60 second spots. For more information, contact Mark at MFC underscore studios at hotmail.com. Cosmic Comics and Games of Baldwin is the place to go for all your comics and gaming needs. We are now offering in-store pickup because new comics are back. Cosmic Comics and Games is open Wednesday from 11 to 8, Thursday from noon to 5, Friday from 2 to 8, and Saturday from noon to 5. So if you want the latest Marvel, DC, or independent comics, back issues, comic book supplies, or magic cards, please call Chuck at 516-763-1133 for details. You can also contact us through our Facebook page. That's Cosmic Comics and Games of Baldwin. Now, back to our show. Hey, this is Charlie Saladino from It Came From The Radio. I'm here with part two of the Lauren Malloy interviews. Um, And, of course, I'm here with the multi-talented Lauren Malloy. 
Loren Malloy. Hey, everybody. How you doing? Happy horrors. Good to see you. Hope you're being safe. Oh, my God. It's such a pleasure because Lauren's such a good friend, and she's a good friend of our show. Um, I'm so excited about what she has going on. We're going to talk about um, a thing that I'm, I'm pretty excited about, and I, I know a lot of you, a lot of you, I know a lot of you out there. I said it again like twice. I know all of you out there. I'm gonna, don't get choked up about this. Um, I'm going to get <laughs> I'm going to get this out now. And I bet all of you out there are going to be excited about this, too. So, Lauren's so excited. She can't even... So, anyway, Lauren, I want you to tell me about the comic book project. Uh, comic book project. I'm so honored, honestly. The Talking Dead is a horror zombie cannabis comic. That's a lot of words all at once. Um... When I met the Toking Dead, a uh, feels like a billion years ago now, yes. but it was probably about a year, year two ago. Um, I thought what they were doing was so incredible. I loved that it had to do with zombies and cannabis. Because name another one. Go ahead, take your time. You won't have one. <laughs> yeah. To the point where there's an article in High Times about how impressive it is, from what I remember. And I used the Toking Dead as one of my props in Yield. My feature film that's released now. Find it at bit.ly backslash order yield. <laughs> um, shameless plug. I can't help myself. So when I was doing this movie, Yield, I had used the Token Dead comic in many little spots as an Easter egg. And we always stayed talking. And they asked me to be their director and producer. And I was honored. So... The fun part about The Toking Dead is because it was, is a comic, I'm making sure that the screenplay is written by me, but I took every cell in that comic and made sure I tried to make it as accurate and to the comic as possible so that your movie isn't changed because, you know, the director just felt like it. You know, I hate that stuff. So as somebody who loves comics, I understand, like, oh, they messed with it. They changed it. I liked it as is. So I wrote the screenplay. I'm directing it. I'm producing it. I'm casting it. All those fun things. And it's a horror comedy. So you got these two doofuses, kind of, you know, middle-aged that just smoke a ton of weed, work in a dispensary. Um, and for me, most people don't know that I had a, um, I have a stress-induced seizure disorder as well as fibromyalgia. And when I was about 25, I discovered that cannabis stopped my seizures. So it's been a miracle cure for me. I even have my medical marijuana card. I say that because of how many stereotypes we have. So, you know, when this first started coming out, we had a problem because... AMC is being a real jerk, thinking that they're the only ones allowed to use the word dead and have zombies in it. Shame on them for even thinking that's an acceptable thing to do. So immediately when I heard this problem, I was like, I'm signed on. I'm totally defending you. Let's make it epic. So we're, we're you know, even having sponsors right now, more than welcome to send the Toking Dead a, you know, a direct message and be like, hey, I'd love to be a sponsor. You'd get your company or product in the movie as well as an IMDb credit. And what happens is these two kind of doofuses that are working in this dispensary all of a sudden realized that this kind of nuclear bomb explodes in this laboratory, basically. 
that causes everybody to turn into these awful kind of zombies, except these two knuckleheads. And a very interesting, sexy lesbian. Oh, yeah, redheaded lesbian. Very true. So, the three of them are trying to figure out how to survive the zombie apocalypse, smoke a bunch of weed, and I get to make this movie! I'm so excited! Um, I've always been, you know, a supporter of cannabis and things like that. I've had friends who came back from wars and it was the only thing that cured them. I know people who were you know, literally called me up going, I'm committing suicide any second, and then smoked, and we're like, you know what, I think I can make it through another day. So for me, I don't see some villain, I see something that's healing our people, and I see a comic that has not been done in any other way, shape, or form, as well as two dudes of the Talking Dead that are genuinely good souls. I tell everybody, you need to interview these guys. You need to know them. They're epic dudes. Because at a soul level, they looked at me and thought, yeah, she can do this. Unfortunately, what you get is, oh, she's a woman. She'll have to sleep her way to the top. That's it. And I had that. I had a lot of people say that with my first film. I had a lot of people try to say that to them, in my opinion, when they hired me on. And you know, oh, this homie don't play like that. I mean, if you've ever met a Sicilian mafioso, welcome. I'm on the same level. I ain't playing. I'm professional. If you're basing any decision with me based on what my gender is or my skin color, you are in the wrong, not me. So, while we're making Toby and Duke, we're, you know, we're in pre-production right now. The script is done. I've already brought some of the props. I'm really excited. We're looking at locations. And the only reason that we're not filming right now is all the stuff going on in the world. I am not risking my people. And when I hire on cast and crew, when I have clients, they become my people. And I will protect them at all costs. So, you know, the locations right now, maybe they're in areas that I wouldn't want my people driving through. Yeah. Maybe, you know, right now I can't have people wearing masks in their scenes. But at the same time, I have never stopped working on this. Everything is, you know, me and my crew, the Happy Harvest Productions team is all women. I have people that I'll hire on as independent contractors and things like that and where the gender doesn't matter. But I am about perpetuating the belief that it doesn't matter about your gender. It matters about your quality, ethic, words, actions, and deeds. As, as well it should do. It's, it's so simple, and yet people make that difficult in this world. Right? I mean, with my first movie, the amount of people that tried to sabotage that film just because I was a female, you wouldn't want to work on that. No. To the point where they would look at each other and ask other men about what should happen next when I'm the director and producer and well aware of what's coming up. Well, they had no idea. Well, you should have told us. That's not your job description. I shouldn't need to tell you what's coming up or what props might come up. No. You don't need to know that. You need to respect what job you were hired for and do that job. Which is great about the Token Debt guys because they are so amazing about making sure that they support the right people meaning good-hearted souls. They also hired me going, we see that you're a bad butt. I'm trying not to curse for you. <laughs> see, I did. I did. The beginning of this. <laughs> I did good. I tried. Uh, see, I said bad butt instead of the other word. Yeah. Uh, 
they knew that I, you know, it doesn't matter what gender I would be. I am still going to be the professional bad, but that I am going, this is how it's going to be. We got to keep to the schedule. Just because you look at this face and your IQ is so low that you think I'm stupid doesn't mean I am. I'm still going to have everything together and make sure it's successfully done. So that's why I'm honestly so thrilled about this. Not only does it have to do with zombies, not only does it have to do with horror and comedy and, and cannabis and all this stuff, but I have two men, Jeff and Ben, who, you know, are the talking dead, who love what they've made and give me the respect and understanding that I will be epic and do what I need to do. Those guys need to be cheered on, just like you. You look at empowered women, and instead of trying to make them feel feeble or less than, you go, you're epic as you are. We need more of that, and because the token dead guys, Ben and Jeff, are of that mentality, that makes me even happier to have them as clients. I don't have to play any of that stupid game stuff where it's like, I have to prove my worth to you? Not at all. That's not playing. Definitely not. Yeah. So uh, I'm, I'm going to promise you this, that when the time comes when you guys are all ready to move this, we at It Came From The Radio are going to have Jeff, Ben, and yourself in the studio, and you're going to just talk about this till we can't talk anymore because I think it's exciting. I know if you're doing it, it's going to work out well. Now, could you tell us any anything about when this is or it's yeah. still up in the air? Um, right now, it's still up in the air because the locations we need, we need to get a hold of the people. And the way things have been, nobody can be getting a hold of. Right. So, you know, right. and that's the problem. Some locations that we're going to need, we need certain towns to give permission. Nobody seems to be working besides me. Yeah. So for two months, I've been calling certain counties and departments to be like, Hello, Jersey. I just need you to say I'm allowed on your property. Um, you know, things like that. Yeah. So right now, my answer is September. Okay. I was originally going to say this month, June, but yeah. <laughs> June's no good. So I'm, I'm planning on September. Hopefully, as long as, you know, the world starts picking back up and is safe for all my people. But it's always based on locations and what they will allow. So right now, we're still in negotiations, okay. so... So we'll also, Lorraine will be in touch with us, and uh, we'll also keep you, you know, abreast of what's going on with that movie, because I'm really excited, because I know she's going to be true to the comic, which I know all our fans love. Um, and guess what? That's the end of part two of the Lorraine Malloy interviews. We'll be back next week with part three because she's so damn multi-talented. There's more. All right, so this is Charlie Saladino from It Came From The Radio. And I'm going to be back next week with this young lady here. Take it easy. The Comic Book Depot has been in business since 1993. Your one-stop comic book shop for comics, gaming, and collectibles. The Comic Book Depot club membership is $15 and gets you 15% off new comics, back issues, graphic novels, and 10% off comic book supplies. Located at 2847 Jerusalem Avenue in Wontaw, New York. Contact us on Facebook for curbside pickup because new comics are back. For more information, give Alan a call at 516-221-9337. The Comic Book Depot. Now, back to our show. Hey, this is Jay Burden Lee, and we're here to talk about movies, music, TV, and what's going on in our part of the world. 
Today we're going to talk about The Simpsons. The Simpsons. Was that <laughs> off tone or what? That was pretty good. Alright, nice. Okay. What do you like about The Simpsons? Um, I love the characters. That's one of my favorite things. Like, just seeing and all the humor in it. Okay, well, yeah. you're watching... Epi- you're not watching every episode from in chronological order, right? You're doing it from episode one to like episode 30 yeah in season five or something like that right you're just randomly watching episodes yeah so all right what so do you like the later episodes more or i think the later episodes because it's more clear okay how about you do you like the well episodes or the yeah i mean i was you know the thing is for me i kind of stopped watching after a bunch of years i mean i think i watched probably 10 or 15 years worth which is a lot of tv of the (laughs) simpsons and then kind of stopped you know um but since you guys have been you and uh riley have been into it i've been jumping back into the newer ones yeah well which they're really good like the story i mean not the the line yeah the storylines right (laughs) the storyline is really good well, who's your favorite character? I know you said you like the characters, but which hmm, ones do you like? like? That's hard. I'd have to say either Homer or Bart, because they're the funniest. Yeah. <laughs> or just them as a duo. Like, they're the best. Right. I mean, I had t-shirts of Bart Simpson, because he had, like, a catchphrase, like, Ay caramba. And that was, like, a t-shirt. And he was really? on the skateboard. Oh, yeah. <laughs> do you still have the t-shirt? No, I don't have it. It's kind of, you know, worn or whatever. Yeah. But he had um, a lot of things. He, he did a lot of... Uh, he did the Butterfinger commercials back in the day. So Oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of fun to watch. And I think, you know, when I was younger, I, when it first started, Bart Simpson was like the coolest thing. But Well, you know. I bet he's one of the best characters. <laughs> right. So I think like now I think I'm more into Homer and I like him. Yeah, he's awesome also. Duff beer. <laughs> you like the Duff beer thing? <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. Your mom got me a Duff beer. Oh, yeah, I remember that. I never opened it, and I don't know what it is, actually. I actually, I've always wanted you to open I remember when my mom first got it for my dad. My dad, I was like, what is this? And then I find, I started watching The Simpsons, and I was like, oh. <laughs> I think it's orange soda. I don't know. I have to look at the can. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So who's your favorite character? Oh, well, you know, like I said, I think I like, um, I like Homer, because he's just really funny. Um... I always liked um, Mr. Burns because Burns is like one of my favorite characters um, really because he has this one line that he always says about well that he used to that he said once in one episode (laughs) where it was let them have their tartar sauce which (laughs) (laughs) which which really meant like people in in the factory went on strike and all they wanted was tartar sauce for their fish sandwiches and he was like well if this is what makes them happy let them have their tartar sauce and that's kind of how corporations work they give them something small you know to to appease people let them have their tartar sauce (laughs) that's right so So, who would you say is your least favorite character oh my least um I don't know. I, I, you know what? I'm not a huge fan of Marge, even though like she's the mom. You mean like her voice or her character overall? I think a little bit of both, actually. <laughs> what about you? Um, I think Krusty the Clown. Oh I, yeah. Oh my god, I hate him. Yeah, he's bad. His I don't voice, like him. 
Oh my god, his voice is horrible. That's right. And like, also, I just don't like that he's like a fake clown. It's an, it just really annoys me. Well, he's a showbiz clown. I don't like yeah. him either. I don't. I didn't like him either. That's right. That's he's definitely my number one. Forget the Marge comment. <laughs> That's. So I funny. like Marge. I mean, her voice is. But then again, like her voice is different. But I feel like it sort of suits her. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, well, I guess that's enough for tonight because mm-hmm. um, we're about to run out of time. So, anyway, we want to thank uh, everybody for listening. Mm-hmm. And um, stay safe, connected. Stay safe and stay connected. <laughs> Until next time. See you. Bye. Bye. Hey, guys, this is Christy from Custom Cakes by Christy. I want you to know that I'm here for you. I'm keeping my private kitchen open for any needs your family may have. I've been focusing on bread, soups, muffins, quiches, and other basics, but I'm still accepting dessert orders as well. Please follow my Facebook for immediate pickup items. Private message me for custom orders. Custom Cakes by Christy, I-N-C, K-R-I-S-T-Y. Text me at 631-606-8166. Now, back to our show. Hi, everyone. This is Pronto Comics' own Dominic Sperano, and it is once again time for... My comic book pick of the week. This week's pick of the week is Age of Bronze, A Thousand Ships by Eric Shanower. Uh, as you may tell, be able to tell, it is definitely a period piece, specifically the Trojan War period. As it says at the bottom, the story of the Trojan War, and it's a winner of two Eisner Awards. And I can tell you it deserves both of them for everything this book does. If you are like me and you have a love of ancient history, especially the Greek and Roman period, you're going to love this book. Um, I could not read enough of it. Uh, I have three volumes of it now. i got to get my fourth. Really excellent book. And the reason why I say that is because I've done some reviews, some picks of comics that work in the ancient historical realm uh notably uh one of my first picks of the week was george o'connor's olympian series where it was discussing greek myth and one of those picks was his book about Ares, which completely encapsulated was told was telling the story of Ares around the trojan war but and i love george and i love the book it's very much a kid's book it doesn't really go into a lot of the history the politics the nuances of that war and all the intricacies that go into it. And if you're like me and you want to know that and you enjoy that stuff, this book does that. So George's book is really good about giving like a, a general idea of mythology and the Trojan War and Ares and all how that interplays. But Age of Bronze is just thick and dense in a good way with all the information and trying to put it in a way that makes real logical sense. And I say that because a lot of times with Greek myth, there you know, there was no actual author. I mean, there's Homer doing the Iliad, of course, and the Odyssey, but he was, as we know, took oral traditions of the story and then put it together. So the origins of the story, it's not like Stan Lee. It's not like there was one man who came up with a whole universe of Greek myths. Um, there is no Stan Lee of Greece. The closest being would probably be Homer. Woo-hoo! So in in some ways it's almost like the DC universe because 
DC, you know, the DC characters were created by multiple different creators, and then they were all like patchwork together. And that is the same thing with trying to do a comprehensive work on any of the Greek myths, especially the Trojan War. Uh, there's so many inconsistencies in it, um, depending on who you're reading and where what sources. Not obviously a work like Age of Bronze, but if you're just trying to go to the original source material, you're going to find that you know Achilles is born, and then suddenly Achilles is this. And then suddenly he's fighting. You know, there's not a lot of continuity within the stories themselves. There's a lot of jumping around. I mean, for instance, um, Achilles' father Peleus uh, woos his mother, Achilles' mother, by you know turning into different uh, animals and things. Like it doesn't really make a lot of sense because Peleus was was mortal. So. I give a lot of credit to Eric Schanauer for taking all of this. And I know that he did because in the back of the book, there is a very thick bibliography of all the reading he did and how he, you know, to figure out and try to work this out and, and come up with something here. The other thing that I really like about the book, and I'm jumping around for a second, is that there is at least, there are two uh, genealogical charts of the Greeks and the Trojan royal family to try and give you more of a sense of who's who, what's what, and what's going on. Because, let's face it, when it comes to Greek myth and, and the families and things like that, you need a flowchart. It's almost as confusing as trying to uh, go through a soap opera plot line. It's very dense, very hard to kind of figure this out of who's who, what's what, how do these people... Um, how are these people related, so on and so forth. Uh, here's another example of what I'm talking about when it comes to, you know, things that don't quite make sense. Achilles at the war for 10 years, but somehow he, and he has a, a homosexual love affair with Patroclus, but at the same time he's also having uh, an affair with Briseis, which, you know, fine, bisexual, that's all, all well and good, but somehow along the way he also has uh, relationships with someone else and he has a son, and the son somehow comes to manhood within the 10 years you know it there's a lot of things that happen in the in the myths themselves that don't really track they don't make a lot of sense from a logical point of view so for someone to do all that research and to try and put it together not only um so it makes sense but it also gives historical context it gives the political context it gives um a lot of background, great, great background, and stringing the myths together so it all makes sense, plus what is the most likely, what is the history of it, um, is amazing. And as they say in the movie... They'll be talking about this war for a thousand years. In a thousand years, the dust from our bones will be gone. Yes, Prince. But our names will remain. And that was Brad Pitt and Eric Bana from the movie Troy. Not the best uh, interpretation, in my opinion, of the Trojan War. Great fight scenes, though. Um, it, it, it's a war that we still talk about. They still make movies about. They still make books about. So anyway, more about specifically Age of Bronze, A Thousand Ships. Um, to read from the back of the book. I'm going to Troy. With these simple words, the poor cowherd Paris lights the fire which will become one of the most famous conflagrations of all time, the legendary Trojan War. When Paris reaches the magnificent city of Troy, he discovers a lifelong secret hidden from him by Troy's king, Priam. 
From that moment, Paris begins a daring journey that will lead him to the most beautiful woman in the world, Helen of Sparta. Helen's fateful decision to forsake her homeland and join Paris brings sorrow to thousands. Among them, Helen's husband, Menelaus, deserted without cause or explanation. The young king, Odysseus, who faces decades of separation from his wife and infant son, and the priestess Thetis, whose son, Achilles, must choose between long life at home and glorious death battling before Troy. Drawn from the myths and legends of centuries, A Thousand Ships carries the story of the Trojan War into the 21st century. Each sensual touch, every savage blow, the smiles and tears, the lust and betrayal, the entire tapestry of drama and action, Eric Shanauer's historically accurate illustrations and compelling dialogue bring new life to the ancient epic. And it's true. <clears throat> everything they read, everything I just read, everything that was written on the back of this book is 100% correct. First of all, it is wonderfully told, as I've been saying. It gives amazing context. You get to really understand what's going on. This is definitely not a kid's book, just so you know. It's definitely for teenagers and up. Um, it's not a happy-go-lucky telling of the myths. This is, it's not graphic in terms of, you know, the action or anything like that, but it, it's, it doesn't hide. It doesn't um, make apologies. It doesn't make excuses. It doesn't try and cover it over. Um, quite frankly, in here you have, uh, you have Achilles who is dressed as a woman at the time because he's being hid so he doesn't go to the war and he rapes someone in the book. You know, it's what it is. You have Odysseus feigning madness in the book in, in great, great insanity. Uh, there's death. So it is unabashedly, truly the myth. And it's done in a, an amazing way that it gives such great chronological context to it. Um, you have all the key players, as I said, Achilles, Odysseus, Agamemnon. Is there no one else? Is there no one else? Yes, like I said, there's everyone in it. There, there's Menelaus, there's Paris, there's Priam, there's uh, Hector, there's all the wives, there's every possible character. They even have mentions of Hercules in here. So it is just an amazing book. It's definitely worth the time to get into it if you're really a fan or uh, interested in the Trojan War. I guarantee you're going to love this book. So if you would like to get this book, as always, you can just Google it. Uh, you'll find Age of Bronze. That's age-of-bronze.com, where you can go on and learn more and more about the book. As always, you can get it on Amazon. Numerous different ways that you can uh, get this book just a click away. So that is this week's pick of the week, Age of Bronze, A Thousand Ships. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this week's pick. Please remember you can go and check out my own personal webcomic at fishysarcasm.com. You can become a Patreon of the comic. It's only $1 a month. It's the least expensive Patreon out there. I promise you that. Also, please go and check out prontocomics.com. We have plenty of comics for download. And always remember... Logic clearly dictates that the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few or the one. So be safe and be healthy. Take care. You've been listening to It Came From The Radio with Mark Torres. The views of the show's hosts and guests did not necessarily reflect that of the management, owners, or staff of the station. We now return you to your earthly scheduled broadcast.